Hello, everybody, and welcome to lucky episode number 13 of Radio Podcast. This will be the Trixodecadopest episode ever. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> You're making up words now. It's Greek. I have a feeling it's all going to be Greek to me at this rate. <laughs> it's going to be a very busy episode with lots and lots of topics that we are going to cover. So strap on for a bumpy ride. Wait, what? Oh, you heard. Oh, my word. <laughs> stories. Flint, Michigan update. On April 18th, Governor Rick Snyder, our best friend from Michigan, um, has a ridiculous Twitter handle of at one tough nerd. <laughs> Would at state Penn Snyder be more appropriate? It will be soon. <laughs> he, uh, he tweeted out that he <laughs> spent time with Cheryl, a Flint resident at her home in the city and drank filtered flint water with her and included a picture so uh this poor woman had to not only endure the poisonous waters that are flowing into her home but now the poisonous stench that was surrounding rick snyder no, perhaps not stench per, at least the poisonous presence thereof <laughs> <laughs> snyder also tweeted I'll drink filtered flint water at work and at home for the next 30 days. So even though the water source has been switched back to Lake Huron, the damage has already been done. <laughs> and the response on Twitter has been mildly varied in its themes. But one common note struck by almost every respondent has been resign. Ugh. <laughs> But he won't. He won't. He's going to proclaim his innocence and go down yeah, he's, kicking and he, screaming. He's the governor. Apparently. He's going to be the governingest governor that he can be. That ever go. <laughs> but but uh, another even more recent update than that. Even more recent. We are so topical. We're only about four or five days behind by the time this goes out. Shh. I'm shushed. Criminal charges have been laid and... Uh, Please note, at this time, all charges are alleged. Um, <laughs> charges were filed in the courtroom of District Judge Tracy Collier-Nix against three individuals. Mike Glasgow, who is Flint's laboratory and water quality supervisor. Michael uh, Prisebury, who is an official with the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality and Stephen Bush, a former member of the same body for the Lansing District um, in the Office of Drinking Water and Municipal Assistance. Uh, Mike Glasgow, he faces right now, uh, as we understand it, two counts, the first of which is a felony count of tampering with the evidence uh, related to signing a document saying that the tested um, houses did indeed have lead service lines, which... Investigators currently allege was a false. That charge could result in four years in prison, 
and or a $5,000 penalty. The second charge at his door is a misdemeanor count of willful neglect of office. That's a one-year sentence and or a $1,000 fine. <laughs> um, as to the other two gentlemen, Prisby and Bush, they share some charges, the first of which is a felony charge of misconduct in office for misleading EPA officials. That's five years and or $10,000. Secondly, conspiracy to tamper with evidence. Ugh, four years and or $10,000. Next is tampering with evidence. <laughs> they were conspiring and then they were actually doing it. Um, four years and or $5,000. <laughs> and two misdemeanors for violating the state's Safe Water Drinking Act. That's one year and or $5,000 for each day of the violation for each count. <laughs> you want to do the math on that? Because that's a lot. That's, that's like a lot plus some money. Dead. They will be dead in prison. Unless they have sentences to run concurrently, which always seem like... Unless they have sentences to drink Flint water the entire time they're there. <laughs> now, Prizeby also faces a felony charge of misconduct in office for giving Flint's water treatment plant a permit, knowing that he was not going to be able to provide clean drinking water. Five years and or $10,000. Yeah. So these are some outstanding public officials who I'm sure have phenomenal pension plans and had, I hope had. I, I, and although um, we don't have a a huge audience in the the Flint, Michigan area, and I'm, I'm sure our cultural impact is minimal to as yet none. I, <laughs> I, I for one, I'm glad that we're following the story because. This is important. I mean, this, as we've discussed before, this is a tip of an iceberg that there are other cases like this out there. And what we do not know is how big this situation really is. Flint came to the fore. And by keeping eyes on that, maybe it will keep eyes on other issues. Because drinking water, despite what the doofus from Nestle thinks, I think is pretty much a basic human right. If you can't trust the stuff that's coming out of your tap in, as we've noted before, is a first world nation, the hell are you doing? Yeah, it's it's a shame and uh, to, to put it mildly and something that you just don't expect to see. So hopefully, hopefully the spotlight on Flint and drinking water issues in general will help. Um, a lot of these other communities that are dealing with uh, similar drinking water issues. Yeah, it shouldn't be an issue. In this day and age, in this country, this should not have ever been an issue. Yeah, yeah. It's all stuff we've said before. Shall we move on? Let's move along. NC-17 million. 
Okay, so I'm throwing a number against the wall with that, but the truth is North Carolina is losing millions of dollars in lost revenue as a result of their hateful anti-LGBT agenda. Um, of most, well, most notably recently, a number of musicians have pulled out of performing in the state. The first among these was Bruce Springsteen, followed by Pearl Jam, Boston, and Ringo Starr. Don't forget the amazing Canadian Brian Adams. I hadn't forgotten him. He's close to my heart, I think. Okay. Who is he? (laughs) So there's some other performers are still going to be carrying on, but then donating the proceeds to um, uh, organizations who will promote or support um, those who are LGBT and or um, the Charlotte Regional Visitors Authority has projected a loss in direct spending over the next four years in the order of $86 million. Yeah, to uh, to just take a step back for those of you who have been living under a rock, this is all in response to North... That's a rock as opposed to a hidden inside a closet. <laughs> if you're hidden inside of a closet, please find somebody to talk to and just come out because it is so much better out here and we all love you. Number one. Number two, all of this has been in response to the bathroom laws, as they are so-called, that have been passed in North Carolina, um, basically stating that the state government is mandating that everybody has to use the bathroom that corresponds to the biological gender that you were born with not the gender that you associate with. Um, And by associate with, what we really mean is that those people for whom they were born physically with the genitalia of one sex, but they fully and permanently identify with the other and are in some way, shape or means... Transitioning. At the end of the day, all anybody wants to do is pee and not have somebody being nosy and busy, wondering if you're peeing next to them out of a penis or sitting down out of a, well, it's always a urethra, but uh, not penis. (laughs) You do know what the other thing's called, right? (laughs) That's much more your department. I've been drinking. So, <laughs> we'll go with penis and not penis. So, <laughs> the bottom line is, these bathroom bills are ridiculous. There have been several articles uh, where people have actually contacted North Carolina law enforcement asking them, how would you enforce this? And because the way this law was written uh, in, in a 10-hour session and then passed by the governor immediately, um, there is no, there was no thought put into enforcement whatsoever. So local law enforcement doesn't really have any way to enforce this. Local DA's offices, because they're misdemeanor crimes as outlined by this law, 
doesn't really have any way to bring charges forward because C point A, there's no real way to enforce this. Um, you know, if somebody makes a complaint, by the time an officer shows up, um, there's no way to get in touch with the individual in question, quote unquote, unless there's some type of vigilante justice of detaining somebody against. That brings me to a point. There was a, a thread on a, a different website that in a weak moment I responded to because the. Rob, you fed the trolls. I was the troll. Oh, that's kind of almost better. Go on. <laughs> oh, um, this person was on a massive rant about this, that she, when using the cubicle, shouldn't be worried about who was in the next stall, and that on one occasion she had been witness to the shoes pointing towards, quote, the commode, end quote. Seriously, if somebody is in the next stall, it doesn't matter which way their shoes are pointing. If they are not pissing through the partition on you leave them the hell alone maybe maybe just maybe there are devices that persons of this female persuasion use to allow them to pee standing up for example when hiking or at various public events where peeing in a hurry is of the prerogative and these cup-like devices with a, a spout allow the lady to pee upright mm -hmm. maybe somebody was practicing with one Frankly, if they're in the next stall and you can't see anything but <clears throat> their shoes, leave them the fuck alone. The other thing is, you've got to like basically fold yourself in half to look under the partition to see that. Why the hell were you bent upside down looking at other people's shoes? The only time I notice the, the people's shoes next to me is if they're like a really cute really pair nice of shoes. shoes. Yeah. <laughs> or, or... My stall is out of toilet paper, and I go, excuse me, can you please, <laughs> please pass some toilet paper over here? Can I get some TP? Yeah, yeah, because that happens. <laughs> you just have to shake. The other thing is, I know from personal experience, I mean, I've taken my kids into men's rooms. If it's a single-person bathroom... Um, like without the dividers, if it's literally you open the door and it's, it's all one, one toilet, one sink, whatever, and we're on a car trip and we, you know, make a pit stop at a gas station somewhere and that's what they have. And there's a lady line for the ladies room. When you've got a four-year-old, you use the men's room. Does that mean traveling parents with small children with small bladders are now subject to prosecution? Uh, and here's another part is this, is that I don't think there are any legal strictures that define the men's or the women's room as being strictly men or women only. I mean, it's a guideline and it's the, you know, considered a social faux pas if you walk into the wrong one and, you know, cause for much blushes on TV soap operas and the like. But the. Yeah, seriously, short of there being urinals in a men's room, a potty's a potty. Like. <laughs> We both use the same one at yeah. home. Yeah. We can both use the same one outside. Wait a minute. You have a unisex bathroom in your home? What kind of monster are you? The worst possible kind. 
Now, something else that has not gotten a whole lot of attention is the fact that, you know, I guess North Carolina is the most well-known of these bathroom laws. But before the North Carolina law was passed at the beginning of April, there was a law passed in Mississippi called the Protecting Freedom of Conscience from Government Discrimination Act that does basically the same thing. Um, I don't know exactly what happened that, you know, Mississippi's was kind of swept under the rug. If our expectations of Mississippi, well, I, I just, you know, our, our expectations of Mississippi significantly lower to start with. So we were just kind of like, well, yeah, it's Mississippi, you know, (laughs) y'all but you know, it's North Carolina is not the only state where this is happening. And there are other states looking to write similar laws to this. Um, Illinois, Kansas, Massachusetts, Missouri, and Wisconsin have all had rumblings of laws similar to this, basically struggling to define what a person's quote-unquote sex is. And uh, the... Those states come from the National Center of Transgender Equality, um, which is an advocacy organization um, who was looking at state-level bills that were um, introduced in the 2016 legislative session. Yeah, if you need to fight this hard to have your religion this sanctified, then you're looking for special privileges above and beyond other people, particularly when you're then wanting to oppress other people for not believing what you believe, when you fight really hard not to be oppressed for the beliefs of other people. So my quick advice to all those who want to pass these laws is shut the fuck up. (laughs) Seriously, this bullshit has to be over. If you want your religious freedoms to be tolerated then shut the fuck up if you're not prepared to allow other people to live their lives the way that they need to you do not inherit that right either it's not a well we get this because we're followers of jesus and he's our lord and savior so fucking what it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter If somebody pees standing up or sitting down or chooses to do, depending on how they feel at the time, maybe it's not just they need to go pee. How the hell are you going to know the difference? It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, the brute fact of the matter is, that you are more likely to be assaulted in a public bathroom by a member of one of these governing authorities than you are by somebody the LGBT community. And that's a fact. And these people need to shut the fuck up and do what they need to do in terms of improving the economy and the working lives and conditions of everybody. Otherwise, you ain't the worth the salt in your body, pal. You really are not. It's interesting to see, to keep an eye on what's happening uh, with North Carolina. Speaks the voice of reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what happens in North Carolina um, in the neighboring state of Virginia this week. Um, a federal appeals court 
voted in favor of a transgendered teen to be able to use the bathroom of his choice uh, in his high school. Um, and this appeals court is the same court that would have jurisdiction over North Carolina. They are using uh, Title IX protections uh, in the court case, saying that um, the bathroom is in a public school and therefore falls under the protections of Title IX. Usually Title IX is associated with sports programs, and that's kind of what helped in the, I want to say, 60s and 70s bring a lot of female equivalent sports programs mm-hmm. out. But here they're saying, look, you know, the, the Title IX protections also cover gender identity and any type of a public facility needs to follow these laws. Therefore, any public school bathroom in North Carolina immediately, based on this federal uh, appeals court rendering, needs to follow that anybody can use whatever bathroom they want, in a public school at least. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is that people are not as binary as some people would like to believe. There is a range of issues that strike us both physical and psychological. Be accepting of the needs of others. It's not that hard. It really isn't. Some people think it is. Some of those people might live in a state like, oh, I don't know, Tennessee. Oh, Texas is uh, here's a. Slogan. We didn't even talk here's about the... Texas in this one. Texas and Florida aren't even brought up. Well, I, I need to because no. Texas. They, uh, please, just a moment. Indulge me, please. Mm-hmm. The GOP in Texas are due to discuss secession again, which is pretty meaningless because the the whole United States of America is built on the grounds that the states can't secede, but on the grounds that Texas could. And I think there's quite a lot of us who'd like to encourage that because it would save the rest of the U.S. a lot of money. Um, if you're going to go, you've got to take these other states with you. Like the whole South needs to go with Texas? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, the, the the Florida Keys, I think we could keep and just, you know, cut out the the shrinking dick that is Florida. And then along with some of those southern states like Mississippi, uh, you also have to take North Carolina because fuck North Carolina right now. <laughs> so one of those other states that I was talking about before that had interest in putting a similar law on the books was Tennessee. And this week they actually had their law withdrawn from the state house before it could be brought up for a vote by the state representative who presented it. Um, mm-hmm. Because she said she wanted to just tweak some of the language <laughs> but, yeah, the larger reason that people think that it was pulled was because she wanted to see how North Carolina, the challenge to North Carolina's law, was worded and how it played out. So that way she can try and reword her law in a way that it would circumvent whatever the ruling is um, and become more more able to stay constitutional which i doubt is going to happen but they they figured that was their best bet 
but don't don't worry, Tennessee. It's not all good news for you. Um, the state house did pass a law <laughs> that allowed mental health care providers to deny oh, no. services to LGBT individuals based on their sincerely held beliefs. Now, it hasn't been passed as a state law yet, but, you know, um, yeah, it, the, the bill was drafted as a direct reaction to the 2014 American Counseling Association's updated code of ethics that says exactly the opposite, that a counselor can't deny someone services based on the therapist's personal values. LGBT individuals don't need any mental health services or, you know. They know exactly who they are. Absolutely. They're not struggling. There's not a higher rate of suicide amongst anyone in that demographic. So we should definitely not do our best to service these people because somebody might get offended when they're at church on Sunday. So, quick advice to all those that feel they need something constitutional passed. I recommend a large bowl of all bran on a Saturday morning and you'll have something very large and constitutional come Sunday. Just come north. We love you. We'll support you. I'm frustrated by all of this article. Can we move on? Yes, we can. I'm sorry. No, you shouldn't be sorry. It's the the douche baggery of the people involved in thinking we need a law to prevent these people go and pee and poop in our bathrooms moving on audio cryptic word search and now for the tricks a deck of dopest words. Now, now, seriously, you need to knock it off. I, I stop saying that word. It doesn't mean what I think you think it means. What? Not engaging in a land war in Asia. <laughs> oh, all right. This episode has been very long, so uh, let's hurry up our listeners. Listeners, plural, both of them. <laughs> If we've still got more than one right now, I'm super impressed. <laughs> Group hug. Oh. <laughs> Row 13. Sure. Y. Youth. T. Title 9. T. TP. She means toilet paper. TP for my bunghole. <laughs> F. Floundering economy. H. Hit the head. Q. Queer. H. Harriet Tubman. O. Oh my. Ah. Relieve yourself. L. Lesbian. G. Gay. U. Ubiquitous. B. Bisexual. A Z. Zeitgeist of the 1950s. B. Beeblebrox. And the search word this week is week. W E E K. <laughs> no song for week? 
No, I have nothing. Let's just wrap it up. Well, now that the Trixadecadopadopadu uh, is done, Trixadecadopus. Yeah. Anyway, Trixadecadopus. Nope. Let's let's it's let's a- roll this up. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed the show, as always. Um, if you've any articles that you want us to chew over, or possibly even come on to comment on, you can get in touch with us via our website, www radio-podcast.net and find all of our contact information there. It's also on the SoundCloud page that links back to that so you can reach us. Also, uh, Diana runs our Twitter account at underscore radio podcast. Poorly, but I I do run it. Um, If you're (laughs) not sick of us yet, um, the website and Twitter and Facebook will point you to all of the other places where you can get at us. Um, the website will also have the other places where you can hear us. Um, normally, we would have Mr. James Secord play us out at this point. However, um, very sadly, earlier this week, Victoria Wood died at um, the age of 62. Um, we know that she had a brief battle with cancer, but that's all we know. Um I was lucky enough, fortunate enough in my youth to be able to appreciate her TV show um, and the, the subtlety and beauty of her wit and the the very dry humor that brought in a lot of just the everyday objects into a, just a such a subtle but direct wit. Well, her show, Victoria Wood, as seen on TV, features some pretty deft stand-up clever one-liners, and acutely observed soap operas, as well as her at her piano. Most notorious of her at the piano was a, <laughs> what seemed to me at the time, a rather risque piece um, that we all knew was Let's Do It, that apparently had the real title of The Ballad of Barry and Frida. So, if you don't mind, I think we'll close with a taste of that. Yeah.